Hi, I'm Cheryl and Fenn. Hello, this is Christabel. Hello, this is Michael Horse. Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet? Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book. That has over 100 cast and crew who have contributed to this book. And it's, I think people really love it. I mean, we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this. It's just a great book. We recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. The funniest show on the air just got funnier. Yeah. Hurry up, twins. Hurry up. From David Lynch. Any ideas, Lester? Ideas? I'm an actor. An all-new On the Air Saturday. Welcome to Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Ben Durant, and beside me is... Brian Kazaska. Hi, Brian. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going good. We've got another On the Air show, episode two. I know. Episode two of On the Air. And, you know, this episode, by far, I mean, I've only seen two so far, (laughs) and I really like this one a lot. It wasn't as heavy on the sight gags. Yes. But um, it was very enjoyable. And this one never aired in the U.S., so this is the second episode, and, you know, it did air in other countries, but it Mm -hmm. never aired in the U.S. I don't think I saw all three of them when it originally aired. I feel like I might have seen one of them, Mm -hmm. and then it came out on VHS, and I watched them all, all seven of them. But that, you're talking, you know... Years. (laughs) We're talking years ago. I'm sure it's been, I'm sure it's been, like, at least... Maybe twelve years ago. I don't wow. know. It seems like it's been a, it's been a long time since I've seen the VHS. I don't even have a VHS player anymore. I do. <laughs> I still watch VHS once in a while. So I'm doing my best. I don't skip. I'm not like when we did Twin Peaks. I watch it and then we record. So I don't know what happens, but I really enjoyed episode two. My thoughts, maybe why ABC decided not to air this one, is. It kind of takes place outside of the workplace, out of the Lester Guy show. I mean, it's heavily focused outside. It's not. It's not like your typical where you're, like they're practicing and then they actually perform. <clears throat> I say that, but in a way, they do. It, there is a rehearsal. There's a rehearsal, but then we never get to the production. At least in the Lester Guy show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want to. Maybe I'll say that for more when we get into the show. But it's. It, it makes me think of, like, if you had The Office, and the second episode of The Office was, like, they're going to hang out at a bar. You know what I mean? Like it's You're kinda, right. You know what I mean? It's because, yeah. what? It's like, we just got into the Lester Guy show. We just started watching this show, and all of a sudden, they're not even going to focus. But it's interesting. This episode does take place, I feel like, in one day. It takes place, like, maybe not the day of the live show, which could be Friday, Saturday. I don't know what day Lester Guy show is. Yeah, I don't know either. They don't tell us. But this could be the beginning of the work week because we already saw the live show. That's fair. So yeah, it's the you next know, I day. I bet you're right. I mean, it could, let's say it was a Saturday night and they're back on Monday yes. to rehearse. I, I totally agree with that. And I, and I really enjoyed this episode. I had fun with it. I think it was really fun. Yeah. And this was actually written by Mark Frost. And it was directed by Leslie Linka Gladder, yep. who did Twin Peaks, and, and she's known for her homeland now. And it aired June 27th. Not in America. <laughs> no. Nope. Well, Where says, did you get that? Where did you get it your says June? Episode 2, U.S. air date June 27th, 1992. This is IMDb. 
I am dating wrong. ABC only broadcasts three episodes of the seven shows. Episodes one, three, and five oh. were the ones that so they maybe, aired. Yeah, confused. They must be confused. One, three, and five. Yeah. Interesting. And so they never aired this one. So I don't. Wow. Know so what, maybe it aired somewhere else. Yeah. Maybe it was supposed to air, but it didn't. I don't know. And they could just be. Cons- I mean, I'm sure they're just confused because. It says number two, and they aired a second episode. They aired. They probably aired the second episode on the because June eighteenth was the first episode yes. they aired. So the next week would be. I, I'm thinking uh, it's an error on the information. How on, dare you, IMDb? IMDb is wrong. <laughs> would you like me to go over a quick summary of this episode? Sure. So this episode, Batty Hudson becomes an overnight sensation. So we talked about this. We talked about. So this takes place Monday morning after the big thing. Betty is getting all these flowers, flowers, and, 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 and all these uh, letters, letters yeah, fan mail. Yes, you won't believe how many telegrams and letters we're getting. Why? Why are we getting them, or why wouldn't you believe it? Yes, I think so. <laughs> America, sweethearts. Yes. And Lester Guy is getting a cactus. <laughs> I believe it's from the owner of the network, Mr. Zablatnik himself. Oh, he knows of my love for arid climes. I have a cactus garden at home. Inside? Isn't that dangerous? Uh, and it's, well, the funny, well, the funny thing was is that it was delivered to Betty, and it's like, oh, I'm sorry, this cactus was for you. you. yeah. But Lester would say that he actually does like cactuses. He has, like, a garden or something. A cactus garden. Yes. Oh, he, Mr. Z must know I have a cactus garden. Right. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, such a so funny. Betty gets this gigantic, like, thing of flowers from Mr. Z. Yeah. I call him Mr. Z. Let's call him Mr. Z because it's the so- blonde Long T. Yeah. Even Betty constantly gets his name wrong. So I love it that we should just call him Mr. Z. Mr. Z is the owner of the network. Yeah. And so, you know, his nephew is the director for the show and all that. But yeah, I like, we call him Mr. Z. Well, no, this leads into one of my favorite quotes of the episode. So she's getting all this fan mail. Mr. Z, he sends her this big bouquet of flowers with a, with a note saying he wants to take her out to dinner tonight. Yes. And, you know, of course, Lester is jealous. And everybody's just like, what the heck? My favorite quote from this episode is Betty. Where is he sending the car? To your apartment. But I, I live on the seventh floor. The car will be waiting for you outside on the street. Oh, is he giving it to me? No, it's just to take you to dinner. But I don't drive. <laughs> I just I think it's so funny. And did she also say that you're gonna give me a car? Like it's like yeah. it, she's like she thinks he's gonna own the car. Yeah, like yeah. So confu- and but, then she says she doesn't drive too. Yes, <laughs> I don't drive. And they go, no, we're gonna send a car to get you. Yes. And she goes, but how? I live in the seventh floor. Like she thinks the car is gonna go to her oh apartment. Oh my god! It's too funny. I think that one actually went over my head. <laughs> I think I missed that she was saying like literally who's gonna go yes. up her into yes, her car. yes. <laughs> I thought it's so funny. Yeah. So we're talking about the cactus. Yeah. Uh, Lester is so frustrated, he, he decides like he's had enough and he's leaving the room. And it's funny, actually, more and more people keep getting to Betty's room, too. You, like, you had the director come in and you had the, whole the manager. Room. Everybody's like, what is everybody just piling in? I think they're all just so excited for Betty. So Lester actually decides to leave and he goes out the door and he actually goes into a closet uh-huh. filled with balloons. Somebody be good enough to ring the doctor. Cactus uh, popped all the balloons in the closet. And then when you open the door, you have uh, the cactus somehow got onto on his, his head. head. 
Yeah. <laughs> and later on, he'll have like bandages on his head. During rehearsals, he'll have band-aids on his head. It's like, boy, that cactus did a lot of damage to you. It, what did he do? <laughs> Slam it into his face? Like he was so aggravated? Yeah, that's a great scene. Then, then the next scene is actually kind of good character building. Lester's background. Right. And actually, I mean, when we did talk about it, it seems like it was stuff that was cut from the script. Like there was some things or I think you had some knowledge and stuff maybe from, from yeah. stuff you had read. But you're right. There wasn't a lot of character building in the last one. Yeah. You just but. knew he was some movie star. He's getting his own show. We find out Bud is with Lester in his private dressing room. And Bud's laying into him saying, you know. Bless. Let me make one thing perfectly clear. I'm on your side. I'm the genius that talked old man's of life making the shelling out the big bucks for your contract. That is my Mr. Squiggly up there in the chopping block right next to yours. So don't you start with me. I say, sometimes I think I never should have left the movies. You listen to me, pal. When I found you at that motor motel on Santa Monica Boulevard slurping vodka out of a frozen orange juice can, you couldn't have hawked your movie career for a ham sandwich and a box of pretzels. You were washed up, finito Mussolini, face down, belly up. I say, right. The only reason I schmoozed Mr. Z into giving you this gig is his freakish sentimental attachment to a second-rate musical you made 12 years ago when every other able-bodied male over the age of seven was off fighting the war. Piccadilly Circus? He liked Piccadilly Circus? He's nuts about it. He's basically telling the audience, where did Lester come from? So we find out Lester, during the war... Everybody went over to fight the war, and Lester stayed behind because he was a movie star. Yes. And he, he, he dodged the draft by staying in the movies. Mr. Z likes his movie called uh, Piccadilly Circus. That's his favorite movie. So yes. because he likes Piccadilly Circus, he allowed Bud to get him a show called The Lester Guy Show. And let's all remind people, Buddy is Michael Freire from, uh, you know, Agent Albert there. Yes. So that's the actor. And, and you know, Mark Frost gives great lines. And he says, the freakish second-rate musical Lester made 12 years ago. And he's like, <laughs> he basically says, I don't know why he liked it, but he liked it. And right, what, he, what Buddy was really saying was Buddy was able to get a really great contract for Lester. Like, you know, really lots of money. And his fear now is really, if Lester doesn't do well, then it's going to look badly on Buddy. Yes. And so it's really not that he has any interest in Buddy. It's just that he doesn't want to be in trouble. Like and you want to make Mr. Z happy. Yeah. That's, they just want to butt kiss Mr. Oh, Z. Oh, man. Worry. Really? What should I do? What should we do? What should we do? Betty Hudson is a mistake on every level, including genetic. She is not an actress. She is not the star of this show. She is a receptionist waiting to happen. Well, Ben, we're going to take a pause, a pin in this conversation about On the Air Episode 2, because we've just been joined by Courtney Stalling from the Blue Rose magazine. And what a fantastic job you did with uh, this last issue, Courtney. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I love your podcast. Uh, listened to it all through season three. You got me through season three. Huh. And it's a pleasure to be here. And I love you guys. You guys are great to, to listen to. Well, thank oh, you. Thank you. We love you too. And boy, I'm so excited about issue seven. You were the managing editor for this issue, and what a fabulous job you did with this. I love. I always. What I love about our show is we kind of like to go behind the scenes. I am just amazed what you did with this issue. It's the best issue that you guys have ever put out. I can't believe how much you were able to cram into this one issue. Can you kind of walk us through how the heck you were able to put this issue together? Uh, yes, it, it was a bigger issue than our normal one. It was definitely a special edition for us. And uh, yeah, the, the idea originally came from Scott Ryan. 
He knew right away when he created the Blue Rose magazine, brought John on as managing editor, John Thorne, and then me on as associate editor. He knew he wanted to do this eventually. Mm. Um, so we st- actually started earlier this year, a little bit last year, but earlier this year in terms of choosing our writers, who is going to be on there, connecting with uh, Blake Morrow, who is this amazing photographer and recreating these surreal yeah. scenes from David Lynch and Twin Peaks, the world of Twin Peaks. And, uh, and so, yes, we've been planning it. We planned it for a long time. And then John and Scott let me have the reins as managing editor, which was a huge thrill. And since it's a Women of Lynch issue, you know, we have all female writers um, writing the essays, 40 essays with 10 writers about David Lynch's works from Eraserhead all the way through through season three. So it was a huge process, but it was a lot of fun. Awesome. And so, you know, you hear the word managing editor, but what does that really mean? Like, what what do you what do you have to do to make to do this? Well, what it meant was I was sort of um, an expansion of my role as associate editor. So I was reading a lot of content, editing it, working with the writers. I also served as the creative director, so I got to design the issue. And one of the challenges was to figure out how we fit so much content, including the interviews that we had too with uh, Piper Laurie, Cheryl Lee, and Sabrina Sutherland, um, and Charlotte Stewart all into this issue. So that was uh-huh. a big challenge of wanting to have some visuals and make use of, of Blake's visuals within the magazine, but also having everyone's words in there too. It's impressive. Yeah, very it's impressive. very impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. If I'm right, some of the stuff had to maybe kind of go into other issues. Like Cheryl Lee, you got a, a little bit of an interview, but then you're going to have more in the next issue? Correct. So Scott and I both interviewed Cheryl Lee, and uh-huh. I just did a quick Q&A just for, just for the Women of Lynch. We knew we weren't going to have a lot of space. So we wanted something really brief. I interviewed her, then Scott interviewed her. Scott has a much longer interview with her that's going to come out in issue number eight. Oh. And you all know Scott, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so this was a dream come oh. true for him as this huge fan of Cheryl Lee. So uh, I'm really excited for everybody to read that interview oh. and, and just imagine Scott in front of Cheryl Lee. You know, Scott is not the quietest person. Uh, <laughs> But I've never seen him get so quiet, uh, just being in awe of her. So it was, uh, it was really cute. Uh, I'm uh. so happy for him. And, you know, we've had him on the show, and he's talked about how much he wanted to talk with her. And then we would have a, we have a specialty show, usually at the end of the year show, where what was it, one year, maybe it was two years ago, we had uh, – he did a whole play on – uh, we called him and, and we uh, we forced him to do our show. Like he would be our host for the show, and we forced him, and he was able to get that special interview with Cheryl Lee. Do you remember that, yes, Brian? That I was do. really funny. But it was, it was a, oh, I'm so happy for him, and I can't wait to read it. It's a great interview, and they really dig into season three. Carrie Page talking about theories, so it's it's a real conversation, not just an interview. What we're doing right now, we're do- talking about on the air episode two, and y- you actually. Uh, did a study on for the women of Lynch. You actually did the, the Ruth. Is it Truthworthy? Trueworthy. Trueworthy. Yes. So you actually had your essay was on her. She's kind of a puzzle to me because she seems sarcastic, but and then she's also honest. But I can't tell if she's mean or what is your interpretation of this character. <laughs> I think she's a fascinating character because, you know, on the air is to me is pure satire, and I I feel like it's David Lynch and Mark Frost so exasperated with the network executives that they're just creating this whole TV show to kind of make fun of that world. You know, I went to a screening of on the air at USC in 2013. Oh, wow. Wow. 
and uh, and I'd never seen all of the 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 episodes, especially like in that format. And you know, Josh Eisenstadt, um, he donated the laser discs for us to watch it. That's awesome. So it was actually really high quality, and uh, and it and they had uh, interviews with uh, some of the cast from the the show. And Nancy Ferguson, who plays Ruth Trueworthy, said that she approached the character as a re- you know a real person who was genuinely concerned about the well-being of the cast and crew and wanted to do her best. Mm. Um, so that was her take on the character. But I kind of agree with you guys. I feel like there is this subtext with Ruth Trueworthy where she's you know she's saying one thing that sounds like it's being supportive, but it it also seems like she's not being supportive too. Like there's this underlying like sarcasm or snarkiness there. You know, that subtext where people say one thing, but they mean another. I think there's some satire going on with her character and the way she, she was maybe directed uh, versus what her intention as an, an actor was. Right. Hmm. It is a, she's a fun character. And I, I, I actually, you know, we, we, we recently did episode one and I actually, her scenes were some of my favorite ones because she is kind of like saying, oh, and, and you said this in your article, how, you know, you're the co-star of the, of the show and you have every, you're absolutely no experience whatsoever and you have every right to be extremely apprehensive. And so she seems so sweet and charming when she says it, but at the same time. It's she, very motherly like. Is it? I, I mean, like, <laughs> she almost acts like a mom to everybody and for Betty, she'll talk it's almost, is she talking down to Betty, but she's sort of like spelling it out for her when the, you can't understand the director or yeah. if she's not getting it. She's almost talking to Betty like a child. And maybe yeah. she just talks to everybody like a child, so it's simple and nobody right. will get the gist. Yeah. I can't, that's what I, that's that's what I mean and by motherly. She's a dog, too, where she says she had to ex- yeah. very deeply say, explain that the dog is yes. forced to eat the dog food. And- it's like simply <laughs> explaining things. Yeah. So everybody But I understands. almost feel like it's dumbing it down. Like, yeah. It's like, you don't get this? Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, pretty much. I totally agree. Wow, to actually get to see it on the big screen, though, that would have been cool. something to be able to see that. And that wasn't that long ago, five years ago, right? You said, tw- did you say 2013? Yeah, five years ago. Um, huh. Ian Buchanan was there. Wow. Bob Ingalls, uh, Nancy Ferguson. Yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was fun to see it with an audience and then to, like, take it seriously. Because I know there's, like, you know, YouTube videos out there that you can kind of watch on your own. But it was fun to kind of see it and watch it all the way through, too, because I'd never, I'd never done that. So it was, it was a lot of fun to... To hear what other what other people responded to, what they laughed at, and did the did you remember anything that the actors had to say about the show? Nancy Ferguson, like I said, um, talked about how she uh, she you know took the character really seriously, and you know she wanted to to portray somebody who was really invested in the show, and so um, she talked a little bit about that. She talked about how much she loved working with David Lynch and how it was a big honor. Bob Ingalls had some really funny stories about going to the network's executives to talk about, you know, on the air and how um, David Lynch would sometimes just get up and walk out of a meeting because he didn't want to answer questions. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and Bob Engel said at one point he just got up and walked out. So Bob followed him out and they go to the elevator and uh, David Lynch turns and looks at him and says, pretty good, eh, Bobbers? And uh, <laughs> I just, I love, I love any kind of David Lynch stories or uh, David Lynch talking to executive stories, yes. um, especially because, you know, on the air is just making fun of that whole process. Right. Was there a story in, the, in his memoir about like they, they had notes for the, the Twin Peaks pilot and, and they said, uh, we got notes and Lynch is like, I don't want to hear yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. And the guy just put, puts, puts the notes back in his pocket. <laughs> it's like... Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh Leslie Linka Glatter, you know, was one of the directors and of on the air, and she and Bob Ingalls had to go to 
a puppetry master, puppet master. Oh. And, um, and they were trying to select certain puppets for the show. And they, so they selected the puppets and the puppet master said that told Leslie Linka Gladder, she had to explain the puppets who were rejected, why they were rejected. <laughs> what? Was this Jim Henson or something? Was this just Jim Henson studio? I don't remember who it was. I don't think it was Jim Henson. I don't remember who it was. But anyway, so she left. She was not going to do it. So Bob Ingalls had to be the one to end up talking to the puppets and telling them why they were rejected. Wait, wait. They had to. He had to talk to the actual puppet. To oh, the no. actual puppets. Yes. Oh my! I thought they were just going to talk to the the guy the, the guy who had the puppets. Oh this is my a little God. weird. That's uh, the puppet master made them. Re- go to the puppets themselves and reject them. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> disturbing. Very weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Well, I am so impressed with this issue though. I'm still blown away. I'm blown away by the photos. I'm blown away with how much you're able to cram in there and I feel like you need to take some time off after after all the work you did with this one. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You know, the funny thing is, is, is uh, it will be easier because I'm no longer managing editor, but we're actually finalizing issue eight right now. Oh, wow. Um, so we we are uh, it, we're, we're finalizing it a little bit early, and uh, and so we're we're working right now, and then we'll have a bit of a break after that, which will be nice. Nice. That's so cool. When's eight supposed to drop? When's that coming out? Um, eight is eight is published in November. We all have a bunch of stuff going on too, so we want to just have that put to bed. You know, um, Scott has his David Letterman book that just came out. So he's doing some book tours for that. And uh, we're the Blue Rose magazine is going to be at the UK Fest in at the end of September. Awesome. Um, so we'll all be there, which will be a lot of fun. I've never been. So I'm looking forward to that. And with issue seven, I actually I own it, but I also decided to get the Kindle version because I like <laughs> I love digital things too. <laughs> so yeah, you can you can yeah. get you can still get issue seven. I know I feel like I've talked to Scott that uh, issue seven is dwindling. I feel like it's it's been a, po- a popular issue, yeah. so I definitely would recommend people get it now. If, if maybe you can get a subscription, a yearly subscription, or and you can get it on Kindle. Yeah, Courtney, do you have a favorite part of this magazine, the issue seven, that you really loved working on? Yeah, I mean I loved all. Of it, I especially loved working with the female writers. Um, but there's one writer in particular that I just um, it was very personal for her. It, this this woman named Erica Prieto, and she's from Brazil, and she's transgender, and she wrote about Denise Bryson and mm-hmm. what Denise Bryson meant um, to somebody who was transgender. And um, so it's, it, most of the essays are not personal; they're um, analytical about the character. But this one was very personal and. Um, you know, a lot of times transgender people don't have a voice or don't feel like they have a voice and, and certainly aren't represented in, in TV and, and film. And so David Lynch created this really amazing character played by David Duchovny. And, and we get to see her in season three, which was awesome. And yeah. Gordon Cole says, fix your hearts or die. And, right. and so I love that Erica got to write about this character and talk about her own personal experience. That That meant a lot. Um, to me um, to have that voice in there and I know it meant a lot to her too that's awesome yeah and when we talked to Mark Frost I think when we when he had his book out we uh, we talked to him about Denise and I thought how special that was you know 25 years ago they came up with this character and they I felt like they were ahead of their times to be able to say hey you know represent transgendered people so I think that's wonderful that you have a, a writer who can talk about that and 
and to share that. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Well, Courtney, I think we've had we've had you on once before. I think we've had you on probably about the Blue Rose magazine. I was trying to remember. I feel a like a long I, time ago. I feel like, yeah, yeah. I feel like ago. I know you, but, but we don't get to talk that much. Social Which, media. Maybe that's it. Well, you know? and we we met yet yeah, we we. Uh, at the Twin Peaks Festival. Yeah, we had, we had, that was at right. The, at the Twin Peaks Fest. There yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, we get to walk around and tour with you guys. That was go awesome. to the trailer park. That was a trailer park, and me and uh, Scott and myself, we decided we're gonna go in the trailer park. And you guys were like, <laughs> we don't want to get arrested, <laughs> and we went in, and you guys didn't. Uh, and we saw where Harry well, Dean Stanton was sitting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a little afraid of Carl Rod, so I didn't go into there the trailer go. park. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, that was a good time. That was a really good time. Yeah, it was. That was a good time. Well, thank you so much, Courtney, for your time. I mean, I love your insight. I love this magazine. I think you did a, a wonderful job on it. And it's so cool. And where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter or Instagram. It's at Courtney Cal, and that's at C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y-C-A-L. Appreciate you guys having have me on. I, I love what you're doing. I love that you're exploring, like, every aspect of Twin Peaks and David Lynch and your podcast is fantastic. So well, thank th- thanks for, thanks for just sharing the space with me. Yeah. yeah. And if, if maybe, you know, in the future, if you have anything in particular, you want to She's talk got about. a book. She's got a book. Though. That's what I want. Oh, you have a book to, coming back? Well, yes, I'm going to talk about my book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a book coming out in 2020 and I'll talk, I can talk about it as we get closer. Okay. Yeah. It's so Scott, Ryan and David Bushman created a publishing company called uh, Fayetteville Mafia Press. And Scott's book is actually being published through there. And they're, they're actually doing a Women of Lynch book of essays that is coming out next year. And then I am working on a book called Laura's Ghost, Women Speak About Twin Peaks, which is like interviewing women in the, the fan community and women behind the scenes on the show. And of course, Cheryl Lee, hmm. um, just about the legacy of Laura Palmer and what the show means to them. And um, so that's going to come out in like a year or so. Nice. I'm really excited about yeah. that book. I'm yeah. really, really pumped. I'm really excited. Maybe it's just because I can just see it. I mean, like, I, don't know, I can kind of think about, wow, these women are working on it. And, and there's so much to explore with Laura. And uh, and to get Cheryl Lee to talk about it, I, I, I'll i definitely be uh, pre-ordering that as soon as it's available. Oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, I hope it's a... Um, I think it's going to be really great for, for all fans. I mean, particularly for women, but I think all fans will really enjoy um, you know, there's going to be some real serious topics explored, mm-hmm. but there'll be some fun things too. Yeah. Awesome. I think you need yeah. that. You need serious stuff. Yeah. 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 Well, awesome. We'll definitely Absolutely. next year yeah. we'll, we'll do it up. Cool. We'll still be doing the awesome. show. <laughs> <laughs> you, you heard it here Whoa. first. Brian said we're still doing the show. <laughs> you know, we will. Lester's on the verge of choking Nicole. Keep an eye on him. It's that Betty, isn't it? The answer to that is maybe yes. And I've got too much invested in Lester to let this particular cookie crumble. If the Lester guy show says a hit, it's a license to print money. But if he goes down the chute, he's going to take every one of us and maybe even the entire network with him. i got to tell you, I hate that. So thank you, Courtney Stalling, for being our surprise guest in the middle of the show. It's sort of like Pee Wee's Playhouse over here. I like it that way. We just have people <laughs> jumping in. You know what it is? It's like on the air. Because on the air, there's things happening in the background. There's things happening yeah. all over the place. Yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> so we appreciate uh, her joining us briefly and giving us some insight into On the Air. Boy, I would love to have gone to that On the Air event and I have know, all right? writers and directors and actors all there to talk about the show. I mean, I'm amazed that, you know, they've only aired three episodes in the U.S. and it was, you know, 25 years ago. And yet you still had people who were interested. in. And but it sounds like, yeah, it was like a little someone made it happen, though. Yeah, yeah, let's make it happen again. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that Buddy is now kind of lined up with Lester to try and maybe take down Betty. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, 
you know, he he's his, but it's selfish reasons because he doesn't want to lose his job because he's the one that got Buddy this great contract, and he's basically saying how like. Uh, seven out of ten are watching just for Betty and like not for Guy, and they don't and they don't seem to like the <laughs> bad reviews about Guy. Michael Ferreira is just amazing as he always is as an Albert, and I just love the, the things that he spits out. It's yeah, good. his character is even better in this episode. I think so too. Yeah, and maybe it is because it's just Mark Frost writing it. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know how many people watched the show Duckman on USA way back in the day. Oh, Jason yeah. Alexander did Duckman. There was a character called Cornfed. He, uh, Bud, uh, Miguel there, sounds just like Cornfed from Duckman. And anybody who's listening to this podcast, just Google Cornfed Duckman and listen to him talk, and you'll be like, oh, my God, it's interesting. I doubt, no, you know, I, I feel like nobody got the idea from an, on the air. Right. But it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. But I kind of like how they aligned the president of the network and the actor to try and take down Betty, who's kind of like, she has no idea what's going on. She's just trying to be herself. <laughs> you can't take down someone who doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. She's sort of like the Mr. Magoo or the Mr. Bean. Or remember the old books, Adelia, Medelia, Medelia books? Sort of. And she would take things literally. Yeah, that's kind of what her character. It sounds like a book that my daughter would read. When we were younger, they came out. <laughs> okay, we were young. Um, Medelia, Medelia. I'm, people correct me on that one. I don't know. So, like, for instance, she had make, go down she had to make a cake and said you have to add dates. So she got a calendar and she cut the dates uh, out and she put them in the cake. This reminds me of. So then, buddy, you know, he leaves the dressing room of Lester. He runs into some prop people and he says what do you think you're doing holding up a building and the guy is holding like the giant guy yeah the giant guy that is you call him the giant guy right he's tall but they call him short shorty or something yeah yeah yeah. what do you think you're doing holding up the building yes sir get back to work it's really silly stuff yeah it's a slight gag because like when you were in high school or something you'd be leaning against the wall and like a teacher would be like, "What are you trying to hold the wall up?" Right. It's essentially that. Yeah, but, but this he, one actually, he physically was. He physically was because he's setting up the next, uh, you know, the next uh, skit for the week. Yeah, and I have to tell you, when I was younger, and a teacher said it to me, I wish when you moved that wall would have fallen uh, on the uh, teacher. Uh, you're, uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're like, I'll show. You. I was holding up this wall. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the hurry up twins. Hurry up. The Hurry Up Twins. It was weird. We saw the Hurry Up Twins, but you heard a voiceover. The Hurry Up Twins. Like, reminding the audience. Right. I think that's how they're going to do it every time. The Hurry Up Twins. It's weird. So they're at rehearsal. This is the only time you're going to see them in this episode. They're actually on set. They're behind the scenes rehearsing for that week's show. And you could tell it's an early rehearsal. It's almost like a... A table read. Yeah. Like except they're not around a table. Not, yeah, right. You're right. It's a table read. Yeah. It's a table read. And Lester Guy's mining. Miming. He's miming. <laughs> he kind of likes to do that, doesn't he's he? He's miming his, his things. Thing. Yeah, he's opening up things. Aha! The Dakota wheel at last. The gentleman's spy speaks into his two-way radio. This is Mongoose to Rangoon, base one. Over. I have located the Dakota wheel. I will now proceed to plant the electronic bugs over and there's got stuff going on in the background you've got oh, cowboys notice. and oh, uh, yeah. native americans and you've got in back of lester is hula dancers 
It's like random things because the first episode had like random things at the they, end. Yeah, they had um like they had cavemen. Yes, and, uh, yeah. It was so bizarre. You're like, where do these fit in to the story? Almost like a Saturday Night Live type thing, like skit. Betty is just zoning out because I think she's nervous about this dinner, and they're all doing their read table read. This is my own interpretation about this. I actually think that the hula dancers are putting her into a trance. Betty, Betty. It's your mind. It is? It's almost like uh, Jacoby, when he needs to get meditation, he like has this soothing music. And You're probably out. right. I She probably was hypnotized by this. Yes. That makes total sense. And it's very important to tell you what this scene is. So this scene is kind of like a secret agent kind of uh, skit that they're working on. You can tell, share more about what Lester's doing. Yeah, it's a secret. And they kind of use this as their impetus of about what they're about to do to um, Betty in the next scene. Right, and I think that's kind of clever. Like, it's kind of like the first episode where they had the rehearsal and then that's what they're going to perform later yes. on in the show. In this episode, you're getting set up on what the skit was at rehearsal, but it actually then becomes real life for the restaurant. Which Exactly. So, yeah, it's kind of clever in that sense. You know, he's a spy and he's get this Dakota ring and yada, yada, yada. And then the guy comes over and gives him a prop. It's a box with the gas. And yep. he goes, don't okay. hit the buttons at the same time because the gas will come out and you'll start laughing and you'll, you'll, you'll act stupid. Yes. Which basically just hit, means you'll start hitting your head against the wall because that's what everybody does <laughs> when they get this gas. He's like, of course. Uh-huh. And then he ends up, well... The gas comes out and he starts laughing. Yeah, I mean, Lester gets upset that Betty is not answer, not doing her lines. Yes. Like, what, she's in her trance or whatever. Yep. And then he gets so upset that he mishandles the box and sets <laughs> off the gas, which makes him start laughing. Here's the thing is, like, why? <laughs> I ask why. Why is there a real laughing gas? Like, this is just a show, but... This is a show. There were, because, because Lester guy. That's yes, why. that's why. Yes. Maybe someone really wanted to guess Lester guy. Right. And maybe it was a real prop. Like, it was a real prop from something, like, yeah, from really a spy. Who knows? It's funny. After this scene, Lester Guy decides he's going to dress up as the driver. <laughs> and he's, like, kind of smooth. He's, like, really <laughs> smooth. Like, he's, like, 007 over right. here. And he's got a, he's got a slight different accent. Oh, so you recognize his voice. He's got a mustache. Yes. Well, you're really something special. Really? Oh, yes, miss. I've been driving for Mr. Zio for longer than I care to remember. Whenever he has a guest of honor, she's something really special. But Betty can only see the back of his head anyway, and his right. eyes in the real view mirror. And he's feeding her all this information to make her more nervous about that Mr. Z is a womanizer, that he's just, he has all these females who come. And a different they, girl every time. And they spend every the three night. days a week, yeah. They're expected to spend the night, and they have to co- they have to leave, and... Uh, the walk of shame, basically, and oh, Mr. Z has fake hair. And- right. So he he says, I've got two advice for you. I says, you know, uh, don't talk about uh, his wife, and uh, don't mention his rug or toupee. And she goes, what? Her his rug? Like, and then you had to explain his toupee. Yeah. So just getting her all worked up that this is going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And you know, just trying to make her get cold feet, possibly, and take off. Right. So the next scene, we're at the restaurant. Yeah, so they you go see to the, the restaurant. city, and they go to the restaurant. And Buddy and his assistant Nicole are already there, so they're they're hiding out at a booth. Buddy just has sunglasses, so that means that's how he's in disguise. Sunglasses and newspaper, <laughs> typical, and sitting at a different booth. And then um, I think Lester Guy, he's got a transmitter, 
and Nicole's in the closet with a pair of headphones. Yeah, so he puts a bug in an olive. Yes. And and Nicole is uh, the assistant, Buddy's assistant is listening to the whole thing. Yeah, and you But this is all got the idea of it's like really is based on this skit that they're yes. performed that it's like this is where they got the idea. They're, they're not they're that playing. smart. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't come up with anything of themselves. Actually, Buddy brings the gas box and a waiter says, hey, you're not a waiter, Lester. And they open up the box and he starts laughing hysterical and they drag him away. Yeah. And eventually they're going to get all the waiters laughing and hysterical, bang- and they said banging their they're head. They're banging their head. Yeah. So Mr. Z shows up. What happened? Oh, give us some air. Where are my waiters? Giuseppe! Oh, she must be boarding up with this kitchen. Well, remember, his nephew is the director who, (laughs) he's not German, he just has weird accent. accent, It's like, like, there's certain letters he doesn't pronounce, and it's hard to... Same like this guy. Yeah. But luckily, we get subtitles, and he's laughing all the time. He's sort of like a male version of Betty. Like, he's laughing and loving life. Yes. Like, he's happy-go-lucky, this guy. Right. And at one point, he says he was so shocked that Betty is, like, who she plays on the show. Yes. <laughs> and there's some cool gags that kind of reminded me. Uh, there was a gag where she's getting nervous, and they're talking, and she goes, Why did you ask me hair? I mean, here. And then he, she says, like, she slips up and says, Wife. And then says something about his hair looking like a wolverine. And then she sees a wolverine on his head. And then she's like, he's like, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, at the same time, he'll be like, she'll say certain things. Like he'll interpret it to be something that he likes. Yes. And so wh- where you think it, sh- it should make her come off terrible, it, he's loving it because somehow he's associating with other things in his own happy life. Yeah. Wolverine's his favorite animal. It reminded him of his favorite cousins' names. Um, he has a wife, and then <laughs> he has a wife. And then, and then, and then she's like, "It's so unnatural." And he's like, "What are you talking about, dear?" And he's like, "Your hair." And he starts laughing. Yes. And he thought it was funny. And then she, he, he basically says, "I thought you were just an actor. That you really are who you are on yes. screen." She goes, "Of course I am. This is who I am." Oh and, man. So Lester does come to serve them, and he overpours the drink for Mr. Z. Oh, it's hilarious. The, the yeah, wine going yeah, everywhere. Right. And Betty thinks she knows the waiter. Like, she doesn't quite know it's Lester, but she's like, I think I've met him before. The mustache. Yeah. <laughs> it throws you off. It's like Superman and Clark Kent. You yes. Know, you just put some glasses on, <laughs> and you don't know who it is. <laughs> Mr. Z ends up eating an olive, surprise, surprise, with the transmitter in it. Yes. And he eats it, and he goes, lucky for me, I love eating the pit. <laughs> <laughs> and he, All the electronics and stuff. Yeah, like. and then he eats it. And a cool sight gag is Nicole is in the thing, and all of a sudden... <laughs> she gets feedback, and smoke comes out of the uh, he, uh, headphones, and she falls backwards. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. That wouldn't happen, right. but it's hilarious. It's just funny. I right. love it. It's a great sight gag. Lester comes back with food, and Buddy comes at the same time, and they run into each other, and Lester falls on the ground. and that's Spaghetti when, right in a shirt, yes. on, on Bud's shirt. Right. Yeah. And that's when Mr. Z realizes it's Lester, and he realizes the President Buddy there. It's They're all there. Look, there's Lester! Hello. <laughs> and then, and dude, dude puts his number. <laughs> Bud Wallace, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah, both! <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
you. Did I? Yeah, this is this human thing. I did land this. Oh, it's never had such a good time. Yes. He, I think he thinks it's oh, they're putting on a show for him. Yeah, and he loves it. He loves it. So basically, he loves Betty. He loves what they did. They did, and Betty says, "Lester, can I talk to you in private?" And he's like, "Okay." So they go this off. is after Mr. Z leaves yeah. and everything. And he he was so happy, and he said, I'm going to have to tell my wife what a great time I had, and he leaves. And then she goes, do you want me to ask Mr. Z if you can get a raise? <laughs> and he starts, because he's a waiter because yeah. he thinks she's not making enough. Yeah, yeah. He th- she thinks he picked up a second job, right. and he's not getting paid enough. Lester, you have your own television show. I don't, I don't think it would look very good to your fans if they knew you are working as a waiter. <laughs> And if we think at the beginning of the episode, he, no he does no fans. Yeah. <laughs> All the letters are coming to Betty. But, but she doesn't know that. Yeah. And, you know, this episode, overall takeaway of this, this allows the power dynamic to change between Lester and Betty officially. I think this is almost the episode that switches power hmm. between them, where Lester Guy started off in the first episode like prim proper. I am, as much as you are ridiculous, I will stay the same. And this one shows that Betty's now in control. People love her. He's a goofball. And he's just a bumbling idiot. Yeah. And I kind of felt like that ending showed that power shift. So I want to see how that continues in the next couple episodes. And I can't remember it, but I feel like you kind of aligned Buddy and uh, his assistant Nicole and Lester together as though they're going to try and take out Betty. It feels like that's the really? where we're going to okay. go each week. I can't remember now, but it feels like every week we're going to be like, how can we stop Betty? <laughs> I'm excited for this adventure. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty good so far. We didn't end it with the shot of the dog like the first episode. We didn't see the dog this episode. Um, overall, I liked it a lot. I thought it wasn't like gag heavy like the first one. But it was also direct, you know, it wasn't directed by David Lynch. But oh. Leslie Link- Linka-Gladder is a great director. Yeah. I mean, she's wonderful, and I think she did a good job with this. It goes by quick, this one. It it's does go by quick. By. The last ten minutes is the restaurant. So you're kind of, the whole episode is just prepping you for this, very, for the last ten minutes. Yeah, like a 20-minute or 22-minute episode, but it just flew by. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I recommend it to everybody. If you can get on the YouTube and watch the episodes or find your, get a way to get a hold of these copies, you know, join us. Watch one every week. And I'm still hoping for a, a Blu-ray, a DVD, I know, a lot streaming, of like something. Come on. Well, Ben, I got a couple of reviews. Okay. And they, they kind of uh, fall in line what you're saying about getting this on DVD. All right. So hit, are, we, hit us. Are, are we ready for this? Yes. This review was written on uh, IMDb, May 2005. On the air is by far the most hilarious show ever aired. I've never forgotten it after 13 years. That's what he wrote. When I accidentally caught the pilot episode of On the Air on ABC in 1992, I couldn't believe what I'm seeing. I was 13 years old at the time, and up to that point, no TV show had ever made me laugh out loud. It just wasn't something I did even when I thought something was funny. Then came On the Air. Mm. So this is a good one. I like this one so far. Watching this show for the first time was like taking a trip to some other universe. I couldn't stop laughing. And I'm talking about that annoying, over-the-top, tears-in-the-eyes laughing. It was totally and completely out of control. It felt great. 
I had never seen anything even remotely similar to this before, and I knew in the first few minutes that I had just discovered my new favorite show. I'm still kicking myself for having missed the opportunity to record it. I waited faithfully every week for On the Air. It came on Channel 4. Then one week, after only three episodes, On the Air did not air. And its place was some stupid game show or something. I don't remember. I was so I was too upset. I panned and started combing the TV guide to see if maybe the show had been moved to another day or time. Alas, it was not to be. My new favorite show had been ripped out from under without any warning. I never forgot this show after that, and until I found the post for this site today, I literally thought I could very well be the only person on earth who remembered this show. (laughs) So he's meaning on IMDb they posted the information. With any luck, the show will eventually be released on DVD in attempts to recoup the losses. I'll be the first in line to buy a set along with Ben Durant. (laughs) Why would a station dump such a good show? The only thing I can figure is that, and to use a classic cliche, it was simply way ahead of its time. If the show were, were new today and probably on a network like Fox, it's pretty obvious that it would be a much bigger success. Maybe it should start a petition to rerun the show. Does anyone know how to do this? And this was from... Uh, Where No Fungi's. Where No Fungi's on May 16, 2005 on IMDb. So he saw this at 13 and he loved it. You know, it's, that's a glowing review. That's a glowing review. That like should be it. in the back of the box, the whole thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very popular right now to do reboots and to like revivals to bring things back. You got Roseanne. Of course, we got X Files. Yeah. We got all of these uh, shows. Bring back on the air. I don't know we, about that. Ian Buchanan, he I comes know. back 25 years later to star in Lester Guy show. So one of the reasons I read this, because he says, you know, I'm going to start a petition to rerun the show. Now, did you know there is a channel? There was a channel. I don't know if it exists today. I didn't do any research. and Everybody out there could do it. Called Pivot. Pivot was a channel I don't know if it's a dish or whatever. Is it I don't based know. on Friends, isn't, wasn't that Ross? Like, pivot! Pivot! P- yes, <laughs> yes. It's called Pivot, and it would run canceled shows or shows that never aired. Uh, too Good, Gone Too Soon or something. Love it. I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. So about a month ago, our friend Maya posted something about Silk Stockings that was on USA, hmm. which made me think about a show I used to watch I couldn't remember. I think it was on USA or whatever. It was called Bakersfield PD. Oh, yeah. PD had... had yes, had Hank in it. it. And it also had the gentleman from Breaking Bad. And it had a, oh, some big people. It had Bill Murray's brother was in it. And it ran 17 episodes. Uh, I think it was on ABC or one of those channel, yeah, network channels. Yeah, I remember. Channels. It was a Fox. I don't remember. Yeah, a fo- it was a half-hour sitcom. Well, YouTube has them. And in the corner, it says Pivot. They re-ran them on Pivot. Wow. So Googled Pivot. This channel would air uh, canceled shows that only lasted a season. Yeah. They were really good. Or show they did a thing where they would air pilots that never aired. Did you know, in 2005, there was a pilot for the Fargo TV show starring Edie Falco? Uh, I think I heard some of that. That's awesome. It's awesome. You can, Now, luckily, someone recorded a lot of this programming and put it on YouTube. So you can look that up, and uh, you find a lot of stuff on YouTube. But you'll see the Pivot logo in the corner, and I, I to this day, I don't know if Pivot still exists, and if it does, 
I wish they had a streaming service because I would pay money. Because I know how cool is that? That's such a great idea. It is. I mean, I love like weird oddball shows. Yeah. So I keep meaning to try to see if it's on DVD or Blu-ray. There's a show called Nowhere Man. My name is Thomas Vale, or so I thought. My son is dead. I have a wife, or so I thought. Who are you? I have a life, or so I thought. You don't have any friends. I took a photograph I wasn't supposed to take. This is the man in the photograph. Is that why they're doing it? Am I just paranoid, or is someone really out to get me? Thomas Vale is trapped in a maze of intrigue and deception. I am Thomas Vale. Bruce Greenwood stars in Nowhere Man. Nowhere Man. And it's kind of like The Prisoner, but it was like a guy who didn't... He, he couldn't remember things, and, and he was trying to find his identity. I mean, I think it lasted one season. It'd be great to see other shows that lasted for a short period of time. Yeah. I mean, in this day of streaming, a lot of these shows come to Netflix, and they're, they're going to be on there forever, even if they lasted a season. So you can always find it. But back in our day, when it was just on TV, it was in and out, and that's it. Yeah. It aired, and you gone. Some tape in some storage unit somewhere. <laughs> um so I got one more. This is from Christopher Tracy uh, back in 2005. Wish there was more. I have a fading copy of all three episodes of On the Air. I watch them about every two years. I love them all and was upset when the show was canceled so soon. I was a great blend. It was, they were, I was. It was a great blend of David's strangeness and some wonderful attempt at humor that ABC just didn't get. I don't know if there are other copies out there. If if anyone has it on DVD, I would love a better copy. I can never see Ian Buchanan without thinking of Lester Guy. I can never watch Laverne and Shirley without thinking of the director. Hmm. I quote lines from the show like it was a movie, and no one knows what I'm talking about other than my wife and kids. This is a must-see for any David Lynch fan. Good luck finding a copy of your own. And there are places online you can get copies of this show. That's all I'm going to say. But it can be done. Yeah, you probably mentioned it already. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I want, I want, I want wh- whoever can put this out to have a legit HD copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think they're going to put out HD? Come on. Well, I'm not asking for 4K. I want uh, just a really good quality. Uh, I I'm. Uh, You'd be happy with 720. I'd be happy with anything. I mean, I'm happy with what I'm using to watch it. Yeah, that's cool. But it has the burned-in Japanese because it's from the Laserdisc. Right. Um, I'm content, but it would be nice. Yeah. I don't know if the show has a big following. Right. I want it to Rotten Tomatoes. There are no reviews on Rotten Tomatoes no. for this at I all. mean, it, yeah, it's just a blimp. It is a blip. Yeah, blip. But, so listen, those are the two reviews. I, I'm going to read two of the comments we got from... On the air episode one, we just reviewed. Now, Ben and myself, after we put it out, you know, I think we had a little hesitation of, do we continue with this? Is this something that people want? And someone on Twitter wrote to us, uh, Surface Pro Artist said on Twitter, I think they're essential viewing for Lynch Frost fans and, and should be covered, which I thought was very nice. And then uh, Rick Rodriguez wrote on Facebook, Great podcast as usual, but the show, painful. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I love covering this show. And I know it's not everybody's cup of tea, but David Lynch is not everybody's cup of tea. It's true. And 
Um, I think it would be a disservice if we didn't continue doing this. Um, and it's not we're doing it every week. Right. We're probably doing it once a month, maybe. Yeah. And I think it's just fun. I think it's a fun little thing. To and get we'll a try few to have guests like Courtney and other people on to yeah. mix it up a little bit. And yeah. Yeah. So if you have a comment, question, or a statement about on the air, you can email us at twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. And maybe I will read it on episode three of on the air that would be great to get more uh viewer feedback that i could find reach into because it's right now i'm i'm scraping the barrel a little bit when it comes I'm to reviews i'm gonna find you more stuff i got i'll get you access we'll get you some more stuff i mean there is some out there it's not all great it's yeah. all kind of repeating true i want some interesting things yeah. So we'd love to hear from you. If you've seen On the Air, it would be cool to hear what you, what you think of it. Yeah. Send us an email. And if you want to send us a comment on Facebook, we're Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Follow us. I'm always checking out the Facebook posts, and I love all the feedback, and I love people sharing our shows. And Ben, you're you're always on the old Twitter. Oh, yeah. We're having a good time there. Always great. I mean, I love everything that people share on Twin Peaks. And, and we're just... We just did our, not that long ago, we did our live show when we opened the cards on right, Twitter. We got, we got winners here. They they guessed uh, my favorite David Lynch film is Lost Highway. Mine was Fire Walk With Me. See, if, if, you, if you had asked me, I was going to say Elephant Man. I don't know. Because every week you change it. You're like, so why is Fire Walk Ultimately, With Me? Ultimately, I think I've said it before, too. Fire Walk With Me yeah. is my favorite. Because you were like, well, do you count that as a, I'm like, I count that as a David Lynch film. Because right. you can still enjoy it without knowing the series. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. so. I mean, and I've said to you before, it's so much part of Twin Peaks that it's like I, I don't. Know. I sometimes don't keep keep it as a separate Lynch film. Like, but it is. I know it is a separate Lynch film, but it still feels so connected to the series. It's yeah. a strange thing, but uh, yeah, I think that's that definitely is mine. I would say that would always be my top one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know. I I like all his work. Right. It's hard to pick sometimes. And we get so many great emails from people. I know we haven't even commented. You know. Jamie's always emailing us. I know they really, he, he really enjoyed the Jennifer Lynch uh, interview we did. I tried to write back to him. Oh yeah, and he thought you you're the guy with the beard. He goes, I always pictured Ben with a beard. Every, uh, several people say that. I'll grow a beard just for Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> it was too funny because uh, people got to see us maybe for the first time. I know it's rare. Every once in a while, if we go to an event, we might get some picture, or you know, if we uh, do a video for our. Uh, Podcast awards, we'll do something. Maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. So subscribe to us on the iTunes. Give us that five-star review. Leave us a nice little comment. We're also on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're getting a lot of traffic on Spotify, so I thank you so much for checking us out there. And don't forget to support us by going to our Tee Public page. The link is in the show notes. Buy a shirt, buy a mug, buy a cell phone case. It helps to support the podcast. And the holidays are coming up. So you can give it to that Twin Peaks fan in your life. Or yourself. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything else, Ben? I think that's it for this week. All right. We can't give any clues about next week. Do we even know what next week is? We don't even know what next week is. <laughs> but we'll see you next week. Yeah. Blinky Watts is not blind. He suffers from Bozeman simplex. He actually sees 25.62 times as much as we do. If we were to see what Blinky's seeing right now, it would look something like this. I've admitted. I've admitted. I've admitted. I've admitted. I've admitted.